1: Uh, there was a full slate of muggings this weekend in the NFL, um, but uh, perhaps the most criminal proceeding happened in the stands of the Bucks bears game. Tom Brady threw his 600th touchdown pass. Congratulations, Tom Brady. Yep. And after Mike Evans caught the ball, he handed the ball to a, a absolutely thrilled gentleman in the crowd by the name of Byron Kennedy. But— the Bucks, realizing their mistake, sent a trainer out to ask for the ball at Tom Brady's request, and Mr. Kennedy gave back the ball, inadvertently fumbling the bag, which is rumored to be as high as half a
2: million dollars. Five hundred thousand, ex- yes.
1: It's potentially now in exchange. Kennedy is reporting getting reportedly receiving from the Bucks some signed merch. <laughs> a a, a $1,000 gift card to the bookstore. Uh, And, uh, you know, and who knows what else. But I have to ask you, Renee, would you have given the ball back? Would you have given it back?
2: Jason, hello, hello. Is this thing on? I would like to report a robbery. Yes. I would like to report a robbery. It happened in front of all of us. This is Ocean's 14 level (laughs) robbery. We all watched it go down. As it was happening, I was like, no, 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 no no, 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 what's happening? And you could just see the powers that be working and how, you know, they had a negotiator there that was, they was they were talking, I mean, talking from the field to the stands. It felt I mean, weird. I was watching this live and I was like, first of all, shout to Mike Evans. He's the homie, but Mike Evans had no idea what he had done. He didn't know, he didn't know. And, and they showed us his reaction when he, he realized yeah. what he had done. At that moment, if I was Mr. Kennedy, I would take all my belongings, including my 600th ball, right on out of that stadium. There's That's nothing right. else left for me here. I got everything I could get. The Bucks is going to get this. It wasn't even like it was a close game. Yeah. So I'm out. I'm out. I would like You're to right. report a robbery in plain sight. Jason, I think this is a dumb question, but I'm just going to ask you, my friend. Would you yeah. have given back that 500 500- <laughs> I allegedly reported worth $500,000 ball. No, no. So
1: uh, Ken Golden of Golden Auctions said it could easily go for uh, 900000 on the open oh market. God. So we'll see. We'll see. But 500000 was the original uh, uh, number thrown out there. And even, you know, on the telecast, the, the announcers were saying, that's a bad deal. Now, let me just say this. <laughs> I, I, would not, I would not give the ball back. Number one hint that I shouldn't give the ball back is that they are asking for it. And the number two hint is that they are willing to give me $1,000 credit to the team store. That lets you know that they are pressed. Facts. Folks, that ball is it, if that ball is in your hand, I want to address the, the audience now. If the ball is in your hands, that is your ball, stand up and leave the arena because— you know, I've heard people say, "Oh, the fans be on you, and they'd be accosted." They don't know. They're watching the game. They they're not watching the telecast. They don't know what your face is. They don't know about that yet. Leave immediately. Leave. Put that ball in a safe deposit box or Facts. something. Because imagine if somebody handed you a uh, a shopping bag with three hundred to five hundred bands in it, <laughs> cash money. Imagine. And then said, Hey, can we get that back? I'll get you a signed jersey and, and some stuff. You get some mugs, some Tampa Bay mugs from the, <laughs> from the Tampa Bay. Yeah. Team. They no, would be reporting say no. robbery. That's what yeah, I'm trying to say. You'd say no. You got, you can't, don't give it back. Whatever they say, don't give it back. That is your ball. And yes. And yes, that would-
2: applies for shoes as well. Yeah, all Basketball, all memorabilia that a player hands to you. That is a gift.
1: Now, let's talk about what they should offer him. <laughs> Those jerseys, that's got to be game-worn. That's got to be Tom Brady game-worn jersey that game. The 600 touchdown game, no question. game-worn sign. Right? And Mike Evans, too. Mike Evans, too, and I want the helmets as well.
2: And the then gloves that you
1: caught it with and threw it with.
2: All of it. The towel the that you wiped thing. your hand yes. on.
1: Put, I want to put it in a case because that's what it's worth. Then, I want tickets. I want I would like free tickets for a lifetime for the ho- that, for my lifetime. That would be great because that costs you nothing. I'm still paying for parking. I'm still paying for food, right? You're still making money on the deal. Yep. And probably some cash because again, Half a million dollars to almost a million dollars. That is th- that you're paying off the house. That is kids going to college. That's real money, folks.
2: Don't be surprised when I ask where the cash at. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm getting my monies. I also yeah. I just I told you I woke up and it bothered my spirit today. It's I, same, woke up thinking, <laughs> I woke up thinking about Mr. Kennedy. Think about what five hundred thousand dollars could do for anybody. Oh. Now, I'm not even just talking about him. Anybody. Do you have
1: medical bills? Do you need uh, credit cards that need to get paid off? Do your kids need new clothes? Would you like to take a vacation? Christmas you is like to, two do, months away! Would you like to get those repairs on your home done? Would you like to pay off your house? Would you like to get out of debt? Would you like to change your life significantly? It was in your hands, and they bamboozled
2: Mr. Kennedy out of I'd it. I'd like to report a robbery. The more I think about it, I think we got to turn this in. We all got to report the bucks. I just hope that we make enough fuss. Everybody, let's yell about it real loud so that something happens for Mr. Kennedy that is it, more please, so generational. Please. Because five hundred to $900,000 is, <laughs> is not generational wealth, but you could change your life literally right now. So listen, and I'm just going to say one more thing players that might, like if a player like Mike Evans, he gave that ball, right? He yeah, had he no idea. This would happen more than you might think. I didn't yeah. know I broke a record in in New York. I had seven threes in one half, it broke a WNBA record. I didn't get that ball. So a lot of times athletes don't even know. So keep your memorabilia. If somebody hands you something that is yours for good, don't give it away for a thousand dollars at a gift shop.
1: Here is here is uh Mr. Kennedy's comments. He was asked uh, at the game. Oh, the trainer came over and asked for it. What am I going to do? Say no to Tom Brady? Yes! yes. Yes. That's not Tom Brady, that's the trainer. If Tom comes over, well now you know you got leverage. But like let's put that aside. Tom did not come over. He continues. I told the trainer no twice, but Robert finally Reese! I said but finally I said yes. He said Tom Brady really wanted it. Hopefully I'll get to shake his hand at least. Oh. Oh my, oh, my gosh. Oh. Hello, operator. Oh. Get Hello, up operator. And stand up and walk out of the arena. Stand up and walk away. I hate That's it. That's what to you, you got to do.
2: Kennedy. I, hate I it really
1: I, I, I feel terrible for him. But hopefully I would imagine that Tom will take care of him in some kind of way. But, and I hope that happens. Uh, you know, and honestly, it should come out, of Mike, don't should don't come out of Mike Evans. It should come out of Mike
2: Evans. No, we're not bringing Mike into this. Mike, <laughs> yeah, and you know what's even worse? As the thing was happening, Mike had told two other ladies, "No, no, no, I want the yeah. lady that's wearing my jersey in the stands. You two get out the way." So imagine those two ladies that had a chance at five hundred to nine. Like you had a one in three chance of getting. Allegedly worth $500,000. I mean, everybody has a story when it comes to this robbery. Mike Evans is not involved in it. This is a Tom Brady robbery, and the trainer is an accomplice. I'm sorry. It's true.
1: We got to get justice for our guy.
2: All right, Jason. So, of course... My Twitter mentions and my timeline is on fire right now, so you know what time it is. The NBA is back, baby, and we are cooking, okay? We just got through with our first week in the association. Your Knicks have New York fans losing their minds in the streets. I don't know if people have seen that one-minute clip where the Knicks fans just yell a lot. Trey Young was like the bane of everybody's existence for a while, but my Hawks are looking focused and ready The Ben Simmons drama is still going, but also there's a little curve. The Lakers are trying to find their groove with what we thought might be an all-star squad, but they're still figuring things out. Kyrie has protesters outside of Barclays, and it felt a little bit like January 6th. I don't know. The chaos in sports media is going crazy right now. They released the NBA top 75 players. There were memes. There were mad people. Klay Thompson chimed in. Where do we even start? Is NBA All-Caps back?
1: It's coming back this week. We're back this week. Let's go! So we're
2: back, baby! Everything is back. Let's (laughs) go!
1: Let's start with the 75 because I have some some structural uh, issues with this list. I'm sure you do as well. I think probably the biggest obvious snub is Dwight Howard. No question. Multiple-time Defensive Player of the Year, an absolutely dominant player for most of his career until he started experiencing back issues. And he should absolutely be on this list. Uh, this is just me. You know how, like in the NFL, right? All records are post merger, Super Bowl era. I feel like for the NBA, it should be after the merger, the NBA ABA merger and post three-point line. That should be really when history starts. And a lot of the players who played before this era, I think we just need to be a little bit more discerning. Does that mean Wilt does not know? Wilt is there. Russell is there. Jerry West is there. Elgin yeah. Baylor is there. But there are just, you know, Dolph Shays. Does anybody know about Dolph Shays? Does anybody know even if he's right or left-handed? You know what I mean? Like Bob Cousy? There was like seven, eight teams in the league, and before Bill Russell arrived, Bob Cousy was not winning championships, folks, in a tiny, tiny league. Could only go right, I could go on. I just feel like there's a lot more room for more people if we just kind of are more uh, selective with our pre-merger names. No disrespect to anybody, but what do you think, Renee?
2: You know, I agree that something needs to be done in a sense of so. With the W25, it was voted on by fans, and obviously that's flawed because fans are going to have a favorite. You see it every year in All-Star where a player is an All-Star because they're a fan favorite. Like Alex Caruso, he was like at the top (laughs) of— he almost made All-Star for the fan voting because he's a fan favorite. They were chanting MVP in the Chicago Bulls (laughs) Arena last game, so there's always going to be a fan bias. But the interesting thing about the NBA is they didn't ask the fans. They picked these players. It was, you know, criteria that they chose these players from. Dwight Howard has to be the obvious snub. And this brings me to something that I I wonder how it affects legacy. So if a player plays past their prime and if the player that you knew is no longer the player that's playing in front of you or not dominating – does that almost take away from what you've done? Because what Dwight Howard has done speaks for itself. So if you just yes. look at what Dwight Howard has done, how could you leave him off the list? Like, that's, that's it. So I don't understand what happened.
1: I completely agree with you. Here's another name that I think should be, in my estimation, is a bubble guy nonetheless. Now, Bill Walton, okay? Listen, he is the king of vibes— absolutely one of the best the passing works. big men one of the best passing big men ever won a championship uh, in 77 with the Blazers but then was injured after he broke his foot for basically his entire career had a, a healthy stint with the 86 Celtics as a super sub got his chip but to to your you know to your point he was not the player he was pre the injury which happened very early in his career ever Again, and yet he is on this list. Now I could uh, I can make an argument for him being like a bubble guy in a seventy five. But like you know, Pistol Pete Maravich again, love Pistol Pete, and I think he means something.
2: Yeah, he got to be on that list, though. Yeah, he means something
1: to the game of basketball in terms of you know he was the first guy that really took dribbling to a level of like science and art and craftsmanship. His dad let him shoot forty times a game as a a, a college athlete. (laughs) But, you know, never got a never got a chip, was divisive at the time. I, I I just think that there are a lot, you know, like Ray Allen. Uh is Clay better than Ray Allen? Maybe. You know, like I think you could there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in here that talk I'm about not Jesus so sure. Jesus Shuttlesworth.
2: About. Are you kidding me? We're I mean, not listen, talking I, about Jesus Shuttlesworth. I think that when you like if if when we talk about Steph and Clay and we reference Reggie Miller and Ray Allen. That that to me means all right, secured. And and again,
1: to to talk about like the pre-merger guys, George Mikan. I understand George Mikan was important to the league when the Lakers were in Minnesota. What was Mikan's move? I don't know. What, what was?
2: You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what his move was. Well, you know what, Jason? That brings me to something. I don't like lists. Like, I really, like, and I know this sounds crazy. I'm an analyst. I do host for NBA. I do, like, yeah, I don't like lists because there's a huge flaw. What happens when the list is full? So you're talking about all these guys from the past, But you know what they say? Like those guys from the past had the walk so that these guys could run. So imagine Pistol Pete not doing what he did to attract people, the flash, the glitz, the glam. So then imagine how the progression of that happened and somebody watched, like, that's why I always, like, I'm one of those people that pay tribute to the OGs, like by all means. But I also think that there has to be a time where we say, yes, these were the OGs, but we're doing a current list now, or we almost put them in the- these are the top blank and we will no longer discuss what they mean to the current list because we know that they are on this previous list that will always remain true for what they've done for the league. I think all leagues have to do that because if we have our top 75 right now, and in 25 years, the NBA has, Another 25 added to the list for NBA 100. Well, then yes. in the next 25 years, only 25 players can make that new list because then don't you have to carry over the old 75 yes. to come back in the new 100? Yes. It's like that feels heavy I, baggage to me.
1: I agree. I completely agree with you. And I agree. We need to, we need to acknowledge the legends who built the game. At the same time, we need to do it by different criteria than we are using to include the current players because let's be real about it. If, you send Lou Dort back at a time machine to 1957, he's, like, winning multiple MVPs and driving Bob Cousy out of the league. Like, Bob Cousy be like, I quit. I'm not playing anymore. Because Lou Dort is—,
2: is But you can't is do that.
1: In the, But you can't do that. So, I just think—I agree with you. I just think there needs to be a different—
2: because what would, what would be happen when we sent LeBron the- back on a time machine? Since oh, we're using it. this time machine, I mean, it. what would forget happen it. if you sent 2021 to back whenever, when they were playing They'd at change. Chuck Taylors? <laughs> They'd change all the rules. They wouldn't know what to do. I don't <laughs> Like, you know what that, I mean? or, or the reverse, send them the present day NBA. What if we took the time machine the other way and they rocked up in their d dies and was really going to try to compete? That's why I think that we can't have a list that's a comprehensive list. Because I agree, I agree. You, it's just like you even said it, there was literally two different games of basketball being played yes. on this list. So yes. we have to figure out a way to just retire the goats that will forever be the goats. This happened in the W25 as well. Yep. So this is not yep. like a, This is not an NBA problem. This is an all-sports problem. There's so many good players that come through that how do you decipher who gets to be the GOATs? I know people make a living off of this. Stephen A. Smith and them, they talk about GOATs and the greatest and the who's the better than this all day. I know that that's people's jobs, but when we have to get real about this, a top 75, when you think about the players that are here right now, it's just not realistic. We have to retire the OGs and let the current players thrive.
1: Yes. All right, let's move on from that. What happens with Clay Thompson will define what happens with the Warriors this season. Does he come back at 80% of what he was? How much of Clay is left? But the Warriors look pretty good. Some of my very good friends had them as a dark horse, you know, Western Conference Finals, Finals contestant. And I gotta tell you, they look kind of scary right now. They look scary. I'm terrified of them.
2: You're terrified of the Warriors? Yeah. yeah. I I think— When you have a player like Steph Curry, it's terrifying all around. Even when they were playing—I can remember when they were playing terrible last year, and I was like, look, I wouldn't want to meet them in the elimination game just because he has that explosive ability. He didn't miss a shot the whole first quarter and scored 25 points and was 10 for 10 from the field, and that included logo threes and layups that he could have been fouled on that they didn't call because there's new rules. Players are slapping them on the shots— Because, you know, there's the new roles here in the NBA. And he still went 10 for 10. And then afterwards, he had to, like, tell everybody, like, give it to me. Like, I'm that guy. Yeah, that's a scary, that's a scary team.
1: not only that, but, I mean, they've got Jordan Poole, who is making a leap right now. Absolutely. uh, An absolute leap. That is, add Jordan Poole, who is learning to be an impact scorer in the league and is, by all uh, accounts, appears to be one right now add clay to that mix. I don't know. That's a that's a, that is a scary team, folks. Watch out. Then we have the uh, the Ben Simmons affair. Oh, man. Uh with Philly. Now, Philly is 2-1, beat New Orleans, lost to Brooklyn, beat OKC. Is everybody is going to beat OKC this year? I'm going to as, as let me just as a side note. How many games is OKC going to win this
2: year? Oh man. <laughs> uh, it's tough, man. It is this is the part of the league on the haves and the have nots. You know, we talk yeah. about in the same breath. You just talked about that loaded Warriors team. We know that the Lakers. You mentioned it already. They put together an All Star ensemble, a Hall of Fame ensemble. Like they have an yeah. all, Hall of Fame lineup that they're working with. And then you have teams like OKC, where it's like every time they search to for a win, every single one. There's not no games they're circling on the calendars. Like. I think we can get this one. They're going to have to fight to get every single win. And those are the tough seasons. I'll tell you that. I've been in a team like those are tough seasons, man.
1: So uh, Ben Simmons is continuing to uh, be held out of games for the Philadelphia 76 Sixers. Daryl Morey went on the radio recently and was asked about it and said this could take four years. It's not to He said this could take four years. We may, <laughs> we may. It, listen, we need an impact player because Joel's prime is is now, and for the next four years, we're not gonna uh, bring back you know draft picks or you know bench guys. We need an impact player right away, and if we're not gonna get that, we're then it's better to have Ben here and take the chance that we can maybe not be able to convince him to play for us again rather than trade him for a, a bag of magic beans. That said, there's no way it's going to take four years. Well, D- also,
2: too, I think it's important to know that the team has almost switched completely. It went from... I don't really care about that guy. Joel Embiid said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of, I don't really care about that guy in reference to Ben Simmons. And then before their game recently, he got on the mic in arena and said, you know, we're working out some things. That's our brother per se. Again, paraphrasing, but something happened in that meeting where Ben Simmons met with Doc Rivers. Ben Simmons met with the team. Something he told them made everyone concerned for him. There was a completely different tone with the Sixers now that was nothing like it was before.
1: Yes, Tobias Harris tweeted um, in response to a a story reporting that uh, talk that I'm paraphrasing now that they, you know, that they were going to give him his space and be patient with him and allow him to work through uh, whatever he needed to work through. So clearly whatever was said there hit them in a different way. And Joel, before the home opener on Friday, said, "Hey, uh, you know Ben Simmons is here as our brother. I hope you'll welcome him back at some point." Um, the Lakers—they finally get a—they finally get a win.
2: Okay, Carmelo. Um,
1: okay, Carmelo. They have been shooting just thirty-nine and a half percent as a team. Uh, there was game two featured a slightly physical disagreement between Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. Oh,
2: yeah, I forgot all this news, Let's I forgot talk. about that, Jason.
1: The what? NBA, the NBA is insane. It's like we're two <laughs> two to three games in and this is the kind of stuff. Now I have my Lakers friends were like, this is actually good. You want to see stuff like this on a team with aspirations. What is your take as an athlete who's been through it?
2: My take is that you gotta save that kind of stuff for practice in the locker room. And like what I mean by that is when you're like, you know, your parents tell you this when you're a mixed company, you better act right. And so whatever is going on in your situation, you just got to act right. Like and when like because I've every athlete has been at a practice where two of their players get into an altercation. Like I just if you played at the highest level, you've seen it at some point where. Two of your teammates are actually getting into a physical altercation. That I know that fans don't necessarily think that's very normal. That's pretty normal when you got to think about we're in a highly competitive field. Your job is on the line. You get judged by your last game. That's just how sports work. Everybody's jockeying for position. Everybody wants to do the best they can do. And then if you, and don't throw in the fact that you might be losing. Don't throw in the fact that you could be underachieving yeah, like something's going to happen. My only thing is that when those things happen on the bench, you take a team problem and make it an everyone problem. We saw the same thing when it happened with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. We only knew about those problems because it spilled out into public where we could see. So my, I I agree with the Lakers fans. Any competitive team, not saying they're all going to actually get in a physical occupation or fight, but any competitive team is always going to not be happy with losing. And at that time, they were losing by literally 30 points in that point in yeah. the game. They were literally losing by 30 <laughs> points. So I, thi- I think I that's a reason I- to get upset.
1: LeBron was out there uh, clapping back at campaign, <laughs> telling him to be humble. It was a... Whole a mess that game. Now, it's been very interesting to be here in Los Angeles at ground zero, surrounded by Lakers fans, the Lakers <laughs> town, and sense and feel and hear and see the intense anxiety that Lakers fans have about the performance of, of Russ, LA oh, native. Yeah. Now, Russ is he's averaging 12 a game, seven and a half rebounds about Shade under uh, nine assists. That seems good, but only shooting thirty four uh, percent from from the field with a lot of turnovers. It's been it's been rough. Now let me say this: He started very slowly uh, in Washington last year, yeah. and then turned it on second half of the season Definitely. and really lifted their season to to postseason contention. So there'll be a point where Russ will the rust will come off and he will get there. That said, L.A. is not like. DC, you can be bad for half a season in DC and there's not going to be much talk about it. It's the tenor and the volume is different here. So I will be fascinated to see how that plays out because it's clear that he, he's in his hometown. He played college ball here. He's pressing.
2: No. And that, and that's the tough part because there's no doubt that we know that Russell Westbrook wants to be there and he wants to be playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Sometimes, though, an athletics energy can work against you. So yeah. in sports, if you're pressing and you want to do so well, you want things to go so well, sometimes it doesn't work out that way because they, that's the term. You're pressing too much. And even on when you're shooting, right? And if I'm in a shooting slump, the main thing I do is literally don't think about anything because the moment you start trying to make shots, you're going to miss shots because you're supposed to just shoot it. Muscle memory, that's why we practice. So you can tell that the want to is so there for Russell Westbrook. But it's just not equating in, in the stat sheet per se. But you know what? Honestly, his game is an interesting game, period. It's a high energy, high octane. But when it's not productive, it makes yeah. it tough because yeah. he plays one way all the time. He doesn't change so the funny. way he plays. So, and we know that about him. So it's like, you got to take the good with the bad almost.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, as a musician it's like playing with a with a really great like blues singer. You got to play blues. That's what you got to do. You're not going to try to mix in other styles because it's just not going to work. And that's the thing with Russ and that I'm really interested to see what happens. I think Vogel's a very good coach and obviously LeBron James is one of the highest IQ players that's ever played. That said, what we've seen of Russ is when you play with Russ, you got to play Russ ball. That's it. You have to. You have to let him go the way he wants to play, or else you're not getting everything, all the value that you would get out of his play.
2: Exactly. And that's why they call him Mr. Triple Double. But speaking, okay, so we got to talk about my Hawks, though, okay? Let's go high expectations and how do I know it's high expectations because we had an NBA on TNT game and I just for people that don't know those are only reserved for the teams that they think that people want to see the important teams I don't know if we had any NBA on TNT games last year so for us to get things popping at the beginning of the year on NBA on TNT and we got the dub I felt really good Then when they went and talked about us, it was like, yeah, you know, the Hawks won, but they're probably about five or six. And then Trey Young tweeted, the credits don't roll until the end of the movie. So we'll see what happens next, baby. So, yeah, my Hawks, we dropped one to Cleveland. Trey went eight for 22. It happens. I'm excited. I think that when people look at our team and talk about our team, they don't talk about DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Who? Those are two names that we didn't really have in the playoff run that we have now. That Imagine our team before that we brought John Collins back, Clint Capella back, of course, Trey Young back, Bogey back, Danilo Gallinari back. Oh, and now we get the other players that we had, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. I'm really excited. Like, I really think that we have a nucleus that can compete. I think we're better than fifth or sixth in the East. But, Jason, you and I were talking about it in the pre-production. The East all of a sudden wanted to get good in a hurry just as soon as the Knicks and the Hawks turned up. Everybody else did, too. The Bulls, the Heat, the Bucks just won the championship. Brooklyn is favored to win. It's like, as soon as we get a little shine, everybody want to come over here, too.
1: How dare you? Listen, the Knicks look great this year. Uh, They've improved in every area. Uh, but as you mentioned, the rest of the East, unfortunately, got really good, too. And I will just—the uh, Knicks are 2-1 right now. Lost a winnable game to uh, the Magic Sunday night. Uh, you live by the 3. You die by the 3. I will just say this as my one blurb for the New York Knicks. Hey, Katie, don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? <laughs> Big <laughs> bang.
3: Guaranteed.
1: Joining us now, he is the leader of Spurs Nation. <laughs> he is the author of numerous New York Times number one best selling books. He is the head writer and creator of a show that was just picked up by IMDb TV. He is the person who consistently accuses me of having committed the crime of stealing a burrito in my past, despite <laughs> there being no evidence that that ever happened. Shea Serrano, welcome to Take One.
4: <laughs> what up? I feel great.
2: All right, so listen. <laughs>
4: What's
2: up? I'm excited to show you a little something, something, okay? As you can see, we're ready, Shay. Yes.
4: Okay? Yes.
2: We are ready. Yes. And for the listeners, so you know, I'm holding up two of Shay's previous books. Get the books. I want my book signed, okay? I've already told you this. I want my book signed, the rap and other things. I want that signed because I already got my other two here with me. But I want to know what kind of insight should we expect to see in your new book, Hip Hop and Other Things?
4: Everything you could ever want to know about rap is in the new book. And it's awesome. Every single thing. Name a thing. It's in there. Name a, name. one rapper, Renee. One rapper.
2: Um, Let's say Justin Bieber.
4: He is not in there. We're already <laughs> 0 for 1. We're 0 for 1. Tupac.
2: E-40. Tupac.
4: I feel like that's a good start. There's a whole chapter in there about Tupac. It's
1: nice. incredible.
4: It might, be, it might be the best chapter in there. E-40. Yeah. There's a whole chapter about E-40. It might be the wow! best chapter in there. I don't know. Jay-Z. The whole chapter. This is literally the first chapter in the book. <laughs> Jay-Z's the greatest rapper rapper of all time.
2: Kendrick Lamar?
4: There's a Kendrick Lamar chapter in there.
2: J. Cole?
4: There's there's not a J. Cole chapter. Kendrick Lamar, though, here's here's the thing. Let me ask you, because you guys can just give me a very quick answer. Yes. Because I spent 3,000 words talking about this for Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar put out an album called Good Kid, Mad City.
1: Yep, yes.
4: Maybe the best album of the decade from 2010 to 2019. The The same decade, Kanye West put out my beautiful dark twisted fantasy maybe the best album from 2010 to 2019 that's what the chapter is about it's about deciding finally which of those two is the better album which which do you think it was here pick one
2: uh,
1: it's Kanye f- it's Kanye for me
2: it's, I was about to say if it's a preference I would I don't yeah. know though because I still like there's songs from both but mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. see that's why it's tough I'm like that's I don't really yeah. I feel bad with I'm going to have Remorse. Every any answer I give, but let's just go Kendrick.
4: (laughs) See one Kendrick, one Kanye. It's settled in the book. It's a hundred percent settled by the time you read that chapter, you're gonna know.
2: Interesting. Did you always know the other things would be a trilogy of books, or like did you start that knowing it was gonna be a trilogy?
4: We did. So me and Arturo were doing a newsletter in 2015, is what it was, because we started it the right after we all got fired from Grantland. They're like, hey, nobody works here anymore, and I didn't have a job. (laughs) And we wanted something to do, so we started this newsletter, and we called it Basketball and Other Things. And pretty early on, we were like, oh, this is a cool template. We should make this a book. And then we're like, oh, you know, we should do like our three favorite things, basketball, rap, and movies. Let's let's take it out as a trilogy. uh, Like, big picture, that's what we want to do. And then we got lucky enough that the first one did well, and then the second one did better, and then now we're on the third one. Wow.
1: Uh, that this collaboration between you and Arturo has been so fruitful and really historic in the publishing world to Mexican-Americans, like uh, reaching the heights of the bestseller list. How did you two first link up?
4: So when I did the Wrap Your Book, which is the very first book we did together, when I pitched it originally, I just pitched it myself. And I, when I told him, I said, I'm going to write everything and I'm going to draw everything because I also like to draw and they're like, okay, cool. And then I, they give you like a year to write the book and then a year to edit it or whatever. At 10 months into the year, I was like, oh, I should probably start writing this. I just didn't write anything. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was going to be super easy. And then I realized very quickly that I wasn't going to have, have enough time to write it and draw everything. So I started looking for artists and I came across a flyer for this rap group out of Dallas, Texas called The Outfit Texas, one of my favorite rap groups. And they had a really cool flyer with some art on there. And I said, oh, this is exactly the style that I'm looking for. So I reached out to them. Hey, hey, who's the artist? They didn't know. They connected me to their manager. I reached out to her. Hey, who's the artist? She connected me um, to Arturo. What was funny is, I, like I didn't, he didn't have his name anywhere on there. She said, Oh, his name is Arturo Torres and he lives in Dallas. And I was like, Oh, that's a fucking Mexican. That's a Mexican ass <laughs> name right there. This is perfect. And I got in touch with them and we talked a little bit. And it was, he was at the very start of his artist career. He was still like doing odd t- odd part-time jobs or whatever like at urban outfitters and like wow. you know just doing flyers and stuff but that's how it all started just from some flyer i saw there and then now now he's doing shit for like nike and google yeah and like he's one of the biggest artists in the in america wow. do you have a f- do you have a particular
1: favorite piece of artwork that he's done whether it's for the for your collaboration or anything else
4: um i so i have an original piece of art that he drew in here because he draws everything by hand, he doesn't do it on the computer. He like sketches it with a pencil and then inks it like a, like a comic book um, illustrator would. So I have it's like a picture of a of like a Godzilla type gorilla that he just drew on a little yellow piece of paper. It's my favorite thing that I have of his for sure.
2: That's lit and definitely going to be worth money. Um, I lo- I love, I love I that so. storyline behind it. <laughs> <laughs> you all you have such an interesting story. So you started your own publishing company, Halfway Books. Obviously, it makes me think of, ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. So that you started Mm -hmm. that and it was to help serve authors that are underrepresented or even overlooked. But I'm curious, like, what made this so important to you to do that, to start a whole publishing company?
4: Well, because every time I went into a room for like a, a thing that I was doing with one of my books, I would sit at a table and there would be like eight people there with me and seven of them would be white. And I was like, this is like, this is not that great of a setup, guys. Like, what are we doing here? Um, and it was just like part of the 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 like excuses that you might hear from some of the big publishers, is like, oh, or we don't we don't know how to find these other talented writers or editors or whatever who aren't white. And I'm like, well, that's because all of your friends are white. Like, like when I when you ask me for my favorite writers, yeah, or the, the they're all like not that because I'm not that. You know what I'm saying? So I said, well, I'll just I'll just start a thing myself, and we'll just put all of us here you know if I'm going to hire like I'm going to ha- I'm going to hire an editor it's going to be a, a, a not white person if I'm going to hire a writer it's going to be a not white person like that was just just felt like something I wanted to do just to be like look it can be done it's not that hard this took mm. like I posted one link on Twitter and got 2,000 applications or whatever like they're out there.
2: And how many people are a part of your publishing company now just like if you have account?
4: count? So when we did the first run I hired five authors um, a fact checker, a an editor, and a design layout person. So that I think that was like nine total when we were working on it at the time. And then we'll we'll do it again in twenty twenty two, and then I'll hire nine more. But it's not like a full time thing. This is like come on for this no, project but and that's work, work for a few weeks. Don't be yeah. downplaying yeah.
2: your stuff, Shay. That's a big deal. <laughs> like that's, I'm that's always a big gonna
4: deal. downplay it. No, always gonna downplay it. No.
1: That's no. The, <laughs> Uh, let's talk about. So, one of the things I think we forgot to put on your CV is it, you are now the official voice of the San Antonio Spurs. Don't fact check this, <laughs> oh, but yeah, Shea Serrano cool. <laughs> is the official voice of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, first of all, what was as a lifelong Spurs fan? What was what was that experience like? And how are you feeling about the Spurs this season?
4: The experience was like unbelievable. I got a I got a text. From a guy who worked at the Spurs, a buddy of mine, and he said, Hey, we got this project. And like, I think you should try, like, let's have a meeting about it. And they told me what they wanted to do, which was basically voice the, like, the video that they play in the very beginning of the season, the like hype up video about the Spurs and their new campaign called Por Vida, which is like all about their, their ties to the community in San Antonio for the last however many decades. Um, so it was really, it was really cool because I have been going to Spurs games with my dad since I was, Four or five years old. Like this was back before they play in the AT and T Center now. Before that, it was the Alamo Dome. Before that, it was the Hemisphere Arena. So we were going to the Hemisphere Arena. This was before they even drafted David Robinson when they were just god awful. And you just got tickets for free. Like we've been going to the games since then. So for them to ask me to do this campaign with specifically with this like tilt on it about like oh this is for yeah. you know people who have yeah. been fans forever. Like it, it was very it was very overwhelming. I felt. Very proud. Very excited. I got so many texts about it. My family was very impressed.
2: Because <laughs> that's big lit. And you know what? And speaking of San Antonio, you've been a supporter of the WNBA for years. I love that. I just would like to say that there's a lot of people coming. You've been here. But can you take me, like, first of all, when my dream play the Aces, who are you rolling with?
4: The Aces? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you crazy? Are you okay. crazy? We should have won the title this year. I so I started did you I started that watching to me last year. I thought we were good. I thought I was telling the truth. I don't know. I felt like pretty confident about it. I so I started watching the league <laughs> when the Aces started up. They had just gone from San Antonio.
1: Yeah.
4: And yeah, every every year they got better. They did, they barely they just missed the playoffs the first year, then they got into the playoffs and then they got to the finals and then it was we were supposed to get it, but man, heartbreaking. I felt so bad. Poor Asia was just This is what I love about Asia Wilson because she was broken after the game. Yeah. Like she was just collapsed on the court. And you're like, well, this is this is a player I could root for because she cares about this so, so much. She's a fucking monster out there, too.
2: I
1: love that. He is Shea Serrano. His new book, Hip Hop and Other Things, is out today. Get it wherever you get your books. You can find him on Twitter at, at Shea Serrano. Let's go. You can also feel free to pick (laughs) up his books: Bun B's Rap Coloring Book and Activity Book, the Rap Yearbook, the most important rap song from every year since 1979, basketball and other things, movies and other things. Feel free to pick those up, Shay. Thank you for joining Take Line.
4: Thank you. All right, y'all.
3: Let me share a story with you that's not told enough. While I was in high school, I still had a lot to learn about the way the world works. But you know what? I wouldn't trade those moments for anything.
2: From the new series, Colin in Black and White. But our next guest is the tastemaker of NBA Twitter. I know you must have seen his gifs, his memes. They literally go viral every NBA season and even postseason. It doesn't matter what season it is. His stuff goes viral. He's also a writer on the new Ava DuVernay-produced Netflix drama series, Colin in Black and White. The series recounts Colin's formative years navigating race, culture, and class while aspiring for greatness athletes y'all the show premieres on friday october 29th josiah johnson my guy welcome to take line how y'all doing we're good we're good okay so jason and i were talking about the first week of the nba season earlier but let's talk about something just as important the first official week of nba twitter listen i'm a a part of wba twitter so i just want to throw that out there and you and jason are already at the top of your game but who else is out there capturing your attention in the NBA Twitter verse? What's going on out there?
5: I mean, you know, we got a lot of legends. The NBA Twitter never stops. You already know there's always bags to be gotten. Only lazy people will tell you that they're on vacation or hiatus. We don't get no days off. Jason knows that. We gotta get these flares out. Cause you might wake up middle of the summer, something just cracking. That that's all hands on deck. We gotta get these jokes <laughs> and let them fly. But you know, in addition to myself, you got people like Shay Serrano, who's a living legend, uh, you know, Mgrads, uh, Trevor Trout, the whole elite crew bands. Uh, Jasmine L. Watkins, you got—I mean, I can yeah. just really rattle up Legetro Jenkins, Legetro I mean, yeah. throwing some haters out. Dragonfly, <laughs> of course. Dragon Dragonfly yeah. is like the king of Twitter. He's not even an yes. NBA Twitter thing. He, he, you know, he's on the bigger and better bags. Uh, the Kim Mero, obviously a Knicks fan, yeah. so you know that's tough. But we got we got we got a we got a lot of legends in the mix. A lot a lot of legendary people, and it's great to see the, the up and comers that are coming out now too, and all the different teams now that have their own little sex of their community of of, of Twitter Twitter you know people now. So it's, it's good to see.
2: That's crazy.
1: So obviously uh, you were a player, basketball player yourself. You played uh, center power forward for the Bruins. Uh, what's it been like to go uh, from a player in that world, in that respect, to a creative and an influencer uh, around sports? And how does, how does your past experience inform what you're doing now?
5: Well, I would use the term college player very, very loosely. I didn't get a lot of burns, spent a lot of time. With you the, put, you know, hey, no, you Put
2: the jersey on. Uh-uh. You put it the jersey
5: on. But, but it was in that no-man's land of, yo, do I even need to shower after the game? I'm going to go ahead and do it just because we're about to hit the club, whatever. You know, I got I got a little sweat and a little gristle, not enough, but we mastered the art on the bench of, you know, you look like the mom of guys and other benches that have become celebrities. We were leading that, that trend in that curve way ahead of the game. We knew the different camera placements. We knew when the red light was on, that means it was, it was go time. We had to really, you know, if you look at the timeouts, you might get a glance back and things like that. But just, you know, being in the locker room, with, you know, I think I played with some like, you know, 12 to 13 guys that played in the league, just being with so many dynamic personalities, guys like Earl Watson, Matt Barnes, Jason Capono, Dan Zurich, who Ooh. now is Dan Gazurich, which we didn't, yeah. you know, we went to school with Dan for two years. He never taught any of us. <laughs> then he's in the league and it's like, here's a proper pronunciation. But that's just to show you the kind of guy Dan was. Actually, you know, played with guys like Jordan Farmar and Trevor Reza as well. You know, Trevor's still getting burned in. Trevor, Trevor's an old dude, man. I'm looking at Trevor like, you know, you're the last in Mohicans, bro. You really, you really <laughs> hold it down for us old heads, but being in those locker rooms, being around those guys and just, you know, like to say when you, and like a place like you say, like you come into that locker room, you better be ready to get roasted, clown for, for all conditions. So you got to have jokes back. You got to be able to hold your own because guys will eat you alive if you're not prepared mentally.
2: No, that's a fact. And so it's so interesting you saying that because you know how like, In sports, you got to be prepared. You got to figure out, you know, a lot of things before the game. Everybody sees the game and that's it, right? But for your tweets like I'm into the content world. Jason is too. People really think that you can just rock up and just not have no preparation and just bust out these tweets. Like what is the process like for you with this? Because I know myself, when I see something crazy happen, like in a game or something, I got to go see what you said. Like I got to go see your gif, your tweet about what that moment was. So how do you stay like ready on like on the second, on the moment?
5: Well, it's like sugar free always say, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready.
2: But okay. <laughs> the,
5: thing, the thing a lot of people don't realize, they think, oh, it's easy. It's this. It's that. And I always tell them, well, shit, if it's so easy, go do it. If, Thank if, if you. what I'm doing Congrats. is so simple. Yes. And if what I'm doing isn't that complicated, then how come you need 10, 15 people on your team to even get to a, you know, a fraction you- of what I got going on? So for uh-huh. me, it was just. Coming up in this game, a lot of years in edit base, a lot of years working at companies like NFL Network, Showtime, Fox Sports. And that's what people don't realize. How are you so fast? How are you so quick? Yeah. You know, when you're doing highlight shows like game day, like, you know, with the likes of Rich Eisen, you got to deliver him a shot sheet on the fly for a game that just went to zeros 20 seconds ago. You're sprinting to the printer now, hopping over, ducking and dodging people on the production staff to run and get him this shot sheet right before the, the highlight airs. You live in a different type of high pressure field environment. So for me, I just kind of thrive and operate in those situations, but I like to laugh at people who kind of try to come at me or, are rude about it. Or, you know, you got a lot of trolls out here that, that think this is just magic and there's no, no skill involved. And I think it's a very highly skilled, you know, person like Jason. I'm, I'm looking at your tweet the other day with the, the dude from the side talk. KD, don't you regret coming to the next? Yeah. Putting like, <laughs> for putting those seven or eight eyes yes. on next. Right away, it's like, that's not something you can teach in a school. That's literally you just going out and knowing, right? But as soon as I see that tweet, I'm cracking up hysteria because I know exactly what you're talking about. But you got to be in touch with everything that's going on in pop culture and the NBA culture, just around the world. And, and everything moves so fast. So you ought to be up to date or you're going to get clowned again. Like, it's like being in a locker room UCLA. Like, yep. if you're not quick on the draw. And, and the thing about me, too, I know a lot of people hate me. A lot of people don't want me to succeed. So I know when I come with stuff, it's got to be hot because if it's not, they're yeah. gonna let it, they're gonna let it rip. You're gonna get the quote tweets. But why do they
2: hate you though? I'm just curious. I don't know nothing about this. So what's the backstory of like I, this is a larger concept? Why do people hate a come up? Like I don't understand why yeah. people hate a come up.
5: Well, I've, I've done a lot of market research and and, and delve deep into the the science <laughs> and the art of it. Really, what you got is like 15 to 20 year olds. And look, I'm 39. I'm happy to be 39. I'm glad I made it this far in life. Ooh, ooh. But. But my library, my resume, my arsenal is going to be a lot different than them. Like I always say, you'll never really see me tweeting Spongebob stuff. That just wasn't my lane or era. More power to people that do it. But there's a lot of people out there that see everybody else laugh and see everybody else reacting to it and they get mad because they don't get the joke. And that's what it really mm. comes down to. It's like a bitterness and an anger and a jealousy. Like, yeah. why does everybody else find this so funny? And I don't know what it is. It's like, yo, y'all got to get some culture, Young Bucks. Y'all got to really dip into that stash. Really, you know, you get familiar <laughs> with the John Singletons <laughs> of the world. You're familiar <laughs> with the DJ Poohs and the Ice Cubes. And I'm just, you know, but these are, these are people. That I came up on that are just second nature for me. That I have a tremendous amount of respect for. So when I'm, I'm running a lot of these clips, I'm paying homage. I'm paying homage to Michael K. Williams with with anything from Omar and the Wire and just that whole crew. Crazy. So, you know the Isaiah Willocks of the world with the she. Yeah. You know just 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 having a, a ton of respect for those people and what they've been able to contribute to the game. And I think that's the thing that you know anything you know Renee, you know, just y'all know. Anytime you're successful in life, you're gonna get people yep. who yep. aren't happy about that, yep. whatever the reason may be. Yep. You know I seen you really strong arm the dream and and get some previous ownership up out of there that wasn't really supportive of everything going on in the world. So you might get some people from that side who aren't feeling the things you're doing, but real ones know, real ones notice everything that's going on and we support you wholeheartedly. I
2: love it here.
1: Well, it is a terrible time for your enemies, Josiah. Let's make it a little worse. (laughs) Uh, You know, because people are, you know, obviously listeners are going to be very aware of your uh, sports influencer Lane, but they may not know that you are also a TV writer, co-creator of the Comedy Central series Legends of Chamberlain Heights. How did that path open up for you?
5: Uh, really sucking at basketball opened up a lot of opportunities and lanes for me so
0: <laughs> that's, I, I,
5: so I'm, I'm super thankful to Ben Howland and Steve Lavin for not giving me the burn I deserve you know a lot of people have their <laughs> coaches the hater story but my coaches the hater story led to successful things so new very early on at UCLA I'm looking at guys like I had one year I was like I'm against the burn then Trevor Ariza came in his freshman year and it's like all right yeah he's league I'm not I'm, I'm it's pretty much that dream <laughs> is done so but at that point, you just figure out and realize what's the next step going to be. So I, I was blessed and fortunate to live with a crew of just legends like myself, guys like Quinn Hawking, Ike Williams, who used to sit next to me on the bench. And we were able to translate that. We started a blog called Jersey Chaser early on, putting out a lot of funny off kilter content from that. We got the attention of people in the, the TV industry. And then, you know, did Legend of Chamberlain Heights, that ran for two seasons, that got canceled, kind of had to figure out my next move, started working at a bunch of different places, uh, started doing a show called Mostly Football with Martellus Bennett, Ben Lyons and James Davis and that crew was over at Attention, which is a social issues themed uh, digital space where I was doing a lot of stuff to just kind of make my heart feel better about the world and, and working with a lot of talented people, some who are working on this show now, shout out to Mia, uh, you know, <laughs> working with the Legend Carlson Carlton tour over at Mostly Football. So. As soon as I hopped on the Zoom, I'm like, damn, it's way too many people I know on here. But that just goes to show you that when you're around successful, talented people, those good things are going to happen.
2: So, Josiah, I always wonder this for screenwriters, writers, anybody that writes for anything else that is not themselves Like, how do you get into the mindset of writing for someone else? It's easy to write in your tone, I'm sure, because you're hilarious. But when you have to write for somebody else, like, how do you get there? How do you get in that mindset?
5: So first and foremost, just obviously blessed to get the opportunity to work with Ava and Colin on this project. Also, shout out to Michael Starberry, who was a co-creator on Legend of Chamberlain Heights with me, who was a showrunner on, on Colin in black and white. This was his first showrunning job. But me and Starberry talked for a while about the project. He knew just how You know how much of a supporter I was of Kaepernick. I actually in 2016 at the Comedy Central uh, Emmy party showed up in a cap jersey and I'm a Raiders fan. So you already know this, it takes a lot for me to get to that level, (laughs) but showed up in uh, in a cap jersey just to show support to the cause and the movement. So Starberry reached out to me. He's like, y'all want to bring you on to this? You know, I I think you'd be good for it, but just sitting in a room with somebody like Colin, hearing him tell stories and just hearing, you know, him dispel all the myths that have been put out there and just the propaganda that's been put out there about him. And now seeing the things that he was standing up for, you know, five years ago, come into light, you look at the Capitol insurrection and basically all the stuff that they used to say, he was disrespecting veterans. He was disrespecting police. You know, that shit went out the window January 6th when, you know, you lost a fair square democratic election and and your candidate didn't win. Now you're showing up to the Capitol building with nooses, storming in, you know, running, running up into people's offices, taking photos, taking poops, you know, all, all over the facility. But you know, to be able to work with Colin and just kind of hear his story and, and get into his head. And I think the main thing for, for all writers I would encourage them to do is you got to really understand who you're working with and understand the level that they demand. Somebody like okay. Ava, I had to learn, I had to learn with, you know, the hard way. I, I turned in some stuff that wasn't to her standard. She let me know about it and I have a tremendous amount of respect for it. I love then, that. Went back it went back in the lab, put some more stuff together, gave it back to her, you know, finally got her seal of approval and just got her, you know, to, to understand what she was looking for. But when you look at somebody like Ava, who's done When They See Us, who's done all these amazing projects, you know, Emmy nominated for When They See Us. And now with this Colin project, there's a certain expectation, a certain standard that she has. And I think we're all just super excited for the world to now see. You know, we were in the writers room for this 2019, 2020 the pandemic hit, they had to work around a lot of different stuff to, to get this show out there. But now, you know, come October 29th, the world's going to get to really understand Colin Kaepernick's story and see another side of him that I think they're really going to appreciate and really going to respect about him. Yeah.
1: Without spoiling anything, you know, whatever you can tell us. But what did you come away with seeing this project, working up close with with Colin? What did you come away with that maybe surprised you, that made you, you know, see this whole period of time in a, in a different way?
5: I think the thing about Colin, when you look at Colin and, you know, people look at Colin, the adult Colin, the NFL player, and feel like, you know, his, his peaceful protests, is trying to raise awareness for social injustice that came out of nowhere. And I think they try to frame it as, oh, you're just mad that, you know, your team wasn't good and, and you weren't starting and you were just kind of, you know, looking for a way to get attention. I think, you know, looking back at Colin and just his whole High school experience, you're talking about a guy who's an underdog, a guy who gave his heart and soul to be able to be a quarterback. So to understand what he sacrificed and how much he's given up, you know, I think once you understand that in high school, the guy had one scholarship offer that he got as a result of a uh, Nevada coaches coming to his basketball game and just seeing how athletic he was. But he didn't have all the pomp and circumstance that a lot of, you know, high school recruits have. So him just, you know, despite the odds, you know, he was adopted by uh, two white parents, uh, the Kaepernicks, uh, that lived in Wisconsin and they moved to Turlock, California where he grew up. You know, and went to Pittman High School. And people think about California. They think, you know, we're a predominantly blue state, but there's definitely pockets of this state <laughs> that aren't aren't rocking with the blue, that are straight su woo. You know, going hard on that red
4: <laughs> and uh,
5: going hard on the rest. So Kyle, even Colin, Kyle, knowing that yo, know, like the the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan lived five minutes away from me, I knew I knew exactly where he wow. lived. And growing up in this area, you know, you weren't really allowed as a black person. Obviously, his athletic exports put him on another plateau and kind of shielded him from a lot of stuff. But there was inherent racism and stuff going on all, all throughout the state and all throughout the region that he grew up in. So just to see the way that Colin has responded from high school, just kind of giving it his all, getting a, getting a college scholarship, to find the odds playing in the NFL and having an extremely successful NFL career, and just to see that stripped away from him, I think people are going to walk away from this project with a lot better understanding of, of who he is as a man and what he stands for.
2: Man, wow. Colin in black and white comes out on Netflix Friday, October 29th. Check out the series and follow him on Twitter at kingjosiah 54. This is my first time meeting Josiah VRL, virtual, real life. And <laughs> is, that I'm what,
0: is that a thing? You, <laughs> I didn't even know
2: that. Okay, I, gotta... I just kind of made it up right now, but I'm telling you, you're as funny in real life as you are online, and that's rare. So thank you for joining us on Takeline.
5: I appreciate you. I like to say I'm very consistent. So if you see me on Twitter, see me in the real world, it's going to be some people don't live their tweets. They don't really, you know, you see them in the real world, like, oh, this dude's a weirdo or whatever. Like, I'm not really rolling, but. No, I'm, I'm normal, consistent dude. Appreciate y'all for having me, and, and best of luck with everything.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Take Survivor, the show where only the strongest take wins. You know what it is. Joining us today, star-studded Take Survivor Island, She is a producer on this podcast and a producer for Crooked Media. Caroline Reston, rest in peace. Caroline, how are you? Wow, I'm so good. Thank you for calling
6: me a star. (laughs) That's who I am. Thank you for having me.
1: She is a two-time WNBA champion. She is the co-host of Take Line. She is Renee Montgomery, also a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream of the WNBA. Renee, how are you?
2: Ready to knock a few bucks, Jason. Let's get it, boy. He is the king of NBA Twitter. Don't come
1: at him because you will get decapitated. He is Josiah Johnson. Josiah, how are you, sir?
5: Say hello. I'm black and I'm slow. You already know.
1: Okay.
5: I'm proud too, but I had to really mix it up a little bit.
1: He is a multiple time New York Times best-selling author and the man who accuses me of crimes almost daily, Shea Serrano. Shea, how are you?
4: Hey, los mexicanos están aquí, mijo. Let's go, baby. Oh!
1: <laughs> oh! Okay. He's, Jay, by the way, has been taking Spanish lessons for three weeks. And, <laughs> 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 um, let's tell everybody the rules. Here they are. There are three rounds. Three prompts, questions by me each round. Our contestants will answer, and then they will get to vote on who had the worst take, and that person will be ejected from the game. When we get to our final round, all votes will be cast for who had the best take, and that winner will be crowned the Take Line Take Survivor champion for this week. Is everybody ready? Let's get it. Yes.
2: Let's go. Let's Let's get it popping. Here we go. Question number one, who
1: is your snub? From the NBA 75 list, who got snubbed? Caroline Reston, rest in peace, who got snubbed? Obviously, I had opinions about this.
6: Clay Thompson, my king. He really has like a always a bridesmaid, never a bride vibe to him. He's like the second best three-time shooter of all time and just happens to play with the number one three-point shooter of all time. So he's always just like kind of second best. And, like, he's literally one half of the Splash Brothers. The Warriors kind of, like, fucking suck because his ACL tore. The ACL (laughs) determined the future of that team. That's how important he was to them. And really quickly, there is a lack of respect for supporting characters out there. We're all about main character energy. (laughs) I'm talking, let's give supporting character energy. They're funnier. They're chill. They're dynamic. They're stars in waiting who are a little more humble than the actual star themselves. Clay Thompson.
1: You're my number one. Thank you. Yeah, don't see don't see a lot of TikTok uh, for for non main characters. Renee, who got snubbed?
2: Oh my gosh, this is so easy. We already know it's number 17, Joey Crawford, the referee. He repped games literally since the day I was born. He started in 1986 and he repped every single NBA finals game all the way until like 2015, 2016. I'm not even exaggerating. Google it. The only time he like missed one year or something due to a suspension. Yes, he's controversial. Yes, he's a little bit toxic, but what What he has done in the NBA over those 55,000 years that he was a referee has to be looked at here. That has to make the list. Come on, is there a amen in the house tonight? Joey Crawford, final answer.
1: Renee Montgomery with her owner hat already (laughs) lobbying the referees. (laughs) Josiah, who got snubbed?
5: You know, I could say Dwight Howard, but I'm going to keep it in the family. I'm going to go with Marcus Johnson, okay? <laughs> Living legend. <laughs> he, he, burned, he burned the so-called <laughs> king of NBA Twitter. But, you know, <laughs> career averages of 27 and 4. His college teammate Bill Walton made the list. And, you know, Bill had an injury-marred career, so I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it. But I think it was a lot of projecting going on there. As you know, my dad uh, suffered a career almost career-ending neck injury. Uh, when he was playing with the Clippers. But like I said, career averages of 27 and four. Essentially created the point forward position. Others have played it before, but he's the one who came up with the name point forward. Told Don Nelson, hey, I'm not a point guard. I'm a point forward. Nelly was like, yes, I'm rolling with it. It was the 80s. Nobody was getting stuff trademarked (laughs) like that back then. So, you know, now it's up for conjecture and debate, but also went on to have a successful acting career. And, And when you just look at debonair human beings, whose hairlines have sustained the test of time.
4: <laughs> Doc Rivers is on that
5: list. Marcus Johnson is on that list as well. You've seen him looking felt and debonair. He was at the Bucks parade, shirt off, flexing, <laughs> looking sexier than his son, who's literally 26 years younger than him. But nonetheless, <laughs> I digress.
1: Ooh. Uh, whoa! Well, Shea Serrano, who got snubbed?
4: The motherfucking Argentinian assassin, Obi-Wan Ginobili. How do you not have Mon Ginobili? <laughs> Oh. On, on this list. You think Manu Ginobili isn't giving Dolph Shays buckets? He's fucking putting <laughs> yeah. Bob Pettit in the dirt. Bob Cousy. You think Bob Cousy can stop the Eurostep? No, sir. He's one third of the winningest big three in the history of the NBA. No three players have ever won more games than Tim, Tony, and Manu together. And you don't have Manu Ginobili in there. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs>
1: Wow! Yay. Well, let's go to the voting. Let's go to the voting. What a heated first round! <laughs> it will be amazing to see who gets ejected from this round. It takes ride Will it be Caroline who says, "Hey, it's Clay. He may have gotten the uh, seventy-seven jersey from his teammate Draymond Green for as a as a consolation prize, but that's not enough. He needs to be on this list." Will it be Renee who says, "You love the way this man danced across the court to"? put that finger on top of that other finger and make that T symbol. You love (laughs) Joey Crawford and you know it. Or will it be Josiah who says, the man who brought me into this world, Marquis Johnson, he should get it on white man can't jump alone. I'm going to go get my gun. Point forward, the inventor of the point forward. Or will it be Chase Serrano who said... Come on. It's got to be Manu. He imported the Eurostep, one-third of the winningest big three. Who's it going to be? Votes are coming in now. I'm excited to see who the votes are. And the votes are coming in now. We have one Woo! vote.
5: And let's yeah. He wrote it in one the vo- chat. <laughs> <laughs> One vote. One vote. For I follow the directions. Line. The man says, send me the vote in the chat. Is there another <laughs> chat I didn't
0: know about? What are we
1: doing? We have one vote. One vote for Caroline Uh, we have one vote for Josiah Johnson we have one vote for Renee it is one two three for three of our contestants and we have another vote for Caroline and our final vote for the first person eliminated is for Caroline Reston rest in peace (laughs) (laughs) the splash just got drier. Caroline (laughs) what do you have to say
6: You know what? I did see this coming, but all I have to say is I haven't heard of one of these people that you guys just listed. So, what does that fucking say?
2: (laughs) Bye. Culture yourself. Culture yourself. You were just
6: sitting
1: at home for a year and a half, boo boo. Be humble. (laughs) Be humble. (sighs) Okay. Round two.
5: Ready? Um, Yeah. I feel like this is really good. I appreciate y'all.
1: We all, as, as everyone knows, uh, one of the great power couples on planet Earth at this moment is Rich Paul and the great songstress Adele. What is the title of the song that Adele will write about either Rich Paul or any of the basketball news that she hears Rich talking about when he's taking meetings in the house? What is Adele's Rich Paul inspired song called, Renee?
2: Never mind, I'll find Ben Simmons, too. (laughs) I wish nothing for the best for those guys in red and blue. (laughs) Don't forget him, I swear. That's what I would say. I think she's going to remix anything, and now she's going to sing to him at night because he's dealing with this Ben Simmons stuff. I think that she's just going to remix all her songs and sing him lullaby. (laughs) Uh,
1: Let's call it any Ben. Uh, Josiah, what's the name of the song that Adele is going to write about Rich Paul basketball sports in general?
5: So I think Adele seeing all the hate and slander that Rich Paul gets and, and Clutch gets for just, you know, being a black man in a, in a heavily white male-dominated industry, so I feel like Adele's going to really dip into her bag and write a song called Clutch D's Nuts. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Clutch like D's. Corrupt yeah.
2: <laughs> De-
4: death, row, death Row Records is back, baby. Oh my <laughs> imagine, so, imagine Adele singing that song. First of all,
2: imagine Adele singing that song.
3: <clears throat> <clears throat>
2: ooh.
1: ooh, ooh, ooh. Like it opens with like a gospel. Clutch oh D's. Oh my God. Shay. This is great. What's the title of the song that Adele is going to write?
4: One of the all-time great diss songs ever written by Adele already, Rolling in the Deep. Which mm-hmm. she wrote after her breakup. I think the same thing happens here. Her and Rich Paul break up. She runs it back, but she calls it trolling in the deep. And Ooh. then in the video, in the video, every time we cut to her, she's wearing a different jersey of a player that Rich Paul represents. But Ooh. she never says anything about it. There's Ooh. details. There you go. Detail. There it is.
5: Detail.
2: Oh, look, I'm always I'm in out. the details. You already know. Hey, <laughs>
5: folks. You already know. I'm I'm voting against myself right now after that. <laughs> I didn't bring it. I did not bring it.
1: Let's go to the voting, folks. Who will it be? Will it be Renee who says, uh, you know, it's going to be something like any Ben. It's, it's going to be that kind of Adele kind of song reaching deep into her heart, but it's going to be about the things that Rich is going through in trying to get Ben out of Philly. Or will it be Josiah who says, KD, grab Ds, these, these clutch. You know what it is. <laughs> Clutch D's Nuts.
4: <laughs> oh my bed. God.
0: Really Don't you want to come like yeah. to the Don't you want
1: to come to the
4: Deez? <laughs> or, <will it> <laughs> or will it
1: be Shea? Or will it be Shea who says, it's going to be trolling the Deep with a video to match. You're going to wow, see it was- on Vivo and it's going to be Adele wearing every single jersey of, of the various clients of, of Clutch. Voting starts now. Can't wait to see what happens here, whether it be in the voting ha- take place in the chat or whether it take place. <laughs> in some place you know out. what? This is a locker
2: room chat because the feelings are not spared. The voting is really out loud. loud. Normally, it's confidential <laughs> voting. The voting it's, is out loud it right
1: now. Happening. I didn't know. It is, I typed mine happening. right into the chat. It I I is, don't is know. happening out loud. And we could just say, man, that it is. Well, hold on. There's more votes to come in.
5: But <laughs> I need a recount.
1: <laughs> but it's like there's more votes to come in yet the voting was messy and it's hard to see uh, exactly what happened here but I, it looks to me as if Josiah Johnson has been <laughs> ejected from the Take Survivor Island Josiah what do you have to say?
5: I'm, I would claim racism, but damn it, we are well represented on the diversity <laughs> scale here. This is like, like I work at companies where they do diversity training, right? But then you look out and it's like, damn, it's all white people in this diversity training. That's not diverse, y'all. That's not diverse. Nah, you no, know, I appreciate y'all. I don't know if I got to self-tap out now or do whatever I got to do, but thanks for having me on the show.
2: Yes. Everybody. King Thank you,
1: Josiah. King. <laughs> well, that's it, folks. Here we are for the final. Wow. Renee, wow! Two-time yeah. champion, Vershey, the multiple-time New York Times bestseller. One reminder: we are voting for the winner at the end of this. The prompt of which is: What is your game that you would win in in a Squid Game? What would be your game? Would it be Jax? Would it be Hide and Go Seek? Would it be Kick the Can? What is the game that you would use to win? the money and eliminate all of your foes in a potential Squid Game. Renee, we'll start with you. What is your Squid Game?
2: All right. Well, initially, I thought I was going to just do spades or bid whist because I know y'all don't even yep. know how to play that. So I was just going to throw that <laughs> out there. But if you have to represent me and what I'm trying to do with the people that are entering the Squid Game, I'm going to just go ahead and say I want a three-point contest all-star style oh! we got the red. Line them up. Whoever has the highest percentage, you will see another day, baby. So three-point contest. What's yeah, up? Let's shoot yeah. it out. Damn!
4: Just shoot. That would be a disaster, yeah. a disaster for me. Disaster. I mean, I'll tell you
1: what. Just go. Just go. Shoot me right now. Um, Shay, what would your squid game be?
4: I was I was gonna go the same route as Renee. I was gonna be like, oh, I'm just just gonna pick loteria which is like Mexican bingo, but it's all in Spanish and it's little symbols. And I got that fucking locked up. But I got a different game, a better game, a game that would be more fun to watch. And here's what it is. You walk into a room. There's only six players left or whatever. It's you and the other five players. You walk into a room and there are five chairs lined up. We're playing motherfucking musical chairs, baby. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's the game I want to play. I feel like I would do... Very well in Musical Chairs. I'm fast. I got good reflexes. Okay.
2: When that music stop, make it drop, baby. What's the song for Musical Chairs?
4: Uh, we're we're listening to Adele's Trolling in the Deep. <laughs> <gonna run> <laughs> uh,
1: Amazing. Well, that's it, folks. Here we go. What an exciting finals we have here. Just a reminder, everybody on the Zoom, <laughs> you're voting for the winner. You're voting for the winner today. Will it be? Renee says... You want to win the squid game? You want to win the billions of won, the millions of dollars? You got to step on the court. You got to beat me in, <laughs> in a three-point shooting contest. And I got to tell that's you, not it's, fair. It's, that's cheating. It's not fair. I think you're going to lose.
4: I'm a professional basketball play <laughs> player. I'm a professional basketball player. You have to play me in basketball.
2: Oh, uh, not fair. I make the game. I'm just playing it. Right? <laughs> or will
1: it be Shea Serrano who says musical chairs? Let's get those chairs set up. Let's see what happens. You want... Let's see how you act when you have to walk around the back of the chair. We'll see who gets pressed then. Right, right, right. I remind you, you're voting for the winner yet again, and the votes are coming in now, folks. Let's take a look. We have one vote for Shay. Mm. One vote for Renee. Let's get it. No, no. Another vote for Shay. Yes. And another vote for our winner...
4: Shay, there it is, baby. No freeze. Yeah. Chair. Yeah. You you me me. Like Musical what? chairs, baby. <laughs> Shay, what do you it. have to I say? I knew it. What do you have to say? I knew it. We could have had it I just want to say, I walked in here knowing I'm as a champion, and I'm gonna walk out
3: <laughs> oh, knowing no. I'm
4: a champion. There it is, baby. Wow. Undefeated and take line. Undefeated. <laughs> oh
1: got to be more careful (laughs) and that's it for this week's Take Survivor join us next time on the island goodbye that's it for us follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode plus my digital series All Caps NBA which comes out debut episode this Friday check it out goodbye Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibbel-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Races, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.